Welcome to the podcast of the Oxford Business Community Network, provided by Story94 in their podcast studio in Oxford. My name is Ben Thompson, co-founder of OBCN. Our podcast aims to share the expertise, knowledge and experience of our members covering those key issues affecting businesses in Oxfordshire. For this podcast, our guests are Kath Comfrey of Explosive Learning Solutions, Tracy Smart, the Smart FD and founder of the Smart Team, and Sam Jones of NGI Finance. Um, and today we're going to be talking about scaling businesses. Um, so let's start by introducing our three guests, um, starting with Kath. Kath, tell, tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and your business. Hi, thank you so much, Ben, for your time and really lovely to meet you all. Um, uh, Explosive Learning Solutions started um, as a family-owned business um, 16 years ago in 1995, and we now design, develop, um, undertake research and consultancy in the education and training space um, across the world. So um, we have grown from two people, um, my husband and myself, family-owned business, where we used to work in our spare room, um, now own an office and rent another office in Harwell Campus. Um, and we have 30 staff um, and are looking to grow within the next year up to that 50 mark, which will take us to the next stage of our development. Um, so we work in evaluation, design, delivery. We also work in the apprenticeship area. So we are an endpoint assessment organisation and clients range from the public sector um, to the private sector in the UK and abroad. Um, in fact, very excitingly, um, over the last couple of months, we've started to engage with our international clients again and have teams now working outside the UK again. So that's really, really positive. Amazing. No, thank you. And thank you for joining us today. Um, Tracy, introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, Ben, and thank you. Thank you. I'm Tracy Smart. I'm the original Smart Finance Director and founder of the Smart Finance Team. So very excited to be here. Um, to explain a little bit more about what my business does, we offer access to finance leadership skills, so FD services, and also virtual finance team if required. And we basically pull together the bespoke finance team, finance function for our clients, bringing together the talent that they need when they need it and not when they don't. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, I'm already linking you both together and looking forward to this roundtable. Um, but before we do that, let's go across to Sam. Sam, tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and NGI Finance. Hi, Ben. Hi, everybody. Thanks for inviting me down. Uh, NGI Finance, we're a local Whitney-based finance broker. We're running 15 years. We're completely independent, FCA regulated, and we help our clients find a number of finance facilities just to support, facilitate, facilitate their growth uh, with our wide panel of lenders. Amazing. Thank you. Um, so let's go into the roundtable. Let's start with, with yourself, self, Kath. Um, so that journey from going from, 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 from a two-person team um, up to 30, talk to the listeners a little bit more about, um, I guess, the key moments that have got you there. What, what have you done that has taken you to 30 that a lot of other businesses that are still at two haven't? Um, it's a really interesting question and one that's sometimes quite difficult to describe. People often say you have to have a business plan and I laugh um, because I've never particularly had a business plan. Uh, we've often worked where the work has come from. So mm. um, we have never had any finance from another organisation. It's all been self-financed. Mm. I guess we're, as a couple, fairly comfortable with risk. 
um, and many companies are not going to be comfortable with risk. And the business has morphed. It's changed its direction. I mean, the company name Explosive Learning Solutions um, is fairly unusual. And the explosive is because we started in the defence sector and we worked mainly with ammunition training and um, that type of thing. Mm. We still do some of that, but far less. And now we're working um, far more in the learning part of our business and the solutions part of our business. So we've never grown unless we've had the work to actually bring in the growth. Um, we have a large group of associates and we will use them on occasions. But if the sums don't add up, um, meaning that an associate is um, costing us more than bringing in a full-time member of staff, then we will look for a full-time member of staff Brilliant. and work from that perspective. Um, it's it's a challenging move. Um, to go from two to 10 is challenging because as soon as you get above about five and you decide that you're going to go for public sector work, which is what we were going to do, mm. then you have to put a whole load of policies and governance mm. in place that you just don't need when it's two people and you're going out doing consultancy work. Um, I think it's changed a lot in the last 15 years as well. Um, things like the IR35 regulations that meant mm. that consultants could go out individually um, now have made changes in that space as well. Um, but it, it's been a slow growth, but based on a risk appetite that allowed us to grow. Mm. Um, I think at the end of every quarter, there's an intake of breath and say, um, you know, are we still here? Yeah. What's going on? To go through two um, recessions and one global pandemic and still mm. being here, I think is good news. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Tracy, there, there were, you know, as, as a business owner, there, there were there were lots of kind of key things that came out there that I thought, do you know what, that that's really sensible business. Um, but I guess kind of speaking quite broadly with the clients that you've worked worked with and, and across your experience, it's, it's, it's what is there anything you can add to that in terms of are there kind of consistent traits across businesses that have gone from two to 30 or one to 100 or whatever else? Is is, is there a consistent trend that helps businesses to scale? Well, I think from my perspective, there's two key things that prompted my mind when, when you were chatting there. And, and one of the questions is slightly different to what you've just asked me, Ben, so do excuse me, was did you take steps, Kath, to employ people which is actually quite a scary experience isn't it when you start to do it the first time before you had clients to outsource them to for example or to get the revenue generation did, did you take that st I guess it's it's the egg before the chicken no or I, for us it was a growth that said um we need the work we need the income coming in yes. um so you run hot and then you um, release the pressure a little by bringing in additional member of staff. You run hot again. You release the pressure by bringing in another member of staff. Um, and some of my team say, we never stop running hot. <laughs> and there is a certain part of that. Um, you know, the team, particularly over the last, you know, pandemic period, have worked exceptionally hard. Um, the public sector, who are a lot of our clients, have continued to grow and train. And we were talking about the growth of the public sector earlier um, have continued to grow and train and that's where a lot of our work comes from but it it has been the less risk is obviously bringing in an associate to do some of the work alongside you but then you've got more work to do in governance and quality control mm. and making sure they're working the way you want them mm -hmm. to um, so that it's a different type of challenge I yeah. think 
Yeah, and that that sort of leads me onto the one of the things that I have seen. I think mm. I'm one of my major clients have grown really, really quickly. So they've grown in literally two, maybe three years now. Up to right. uh, on their run rate, they're going to be an eight million turnover business. So they've grown mm. really, really quickly. Um, and one of the challenges they've had with that growth is obviously they've been open to opportunities, and they're very good at mm. doing deals and creating those opportunities mm. as well. But that has meant that focus on building a strong foundation in processes, and you mentioned processes a moment ago, and control. And that you have to have good financial control, and that's obviously very important. And one mm. of the first things as a finance director you would look at. But control is not just about finance. Mm. Um uh, you can think about things like GDPR, for example, mm. um, is, in the, is one area where you have to have control about how you manage the data. And, Absolutely. Um, so control can permeate into so many different areas of mm. um, a business. And if you've got those foundations there, mm. but in such a way that it doesn't stifle the growth, that mm. it allows you to stay agile and take those opportunities, those commercial opportunities as they come. I think that would be a key piece of advice that I would put in. Absolutely. And obviously, as a finance person, cash is king. It is so important. You can't grow without good, strong cash flow. Mm. So um, having a cash flow forecast, really understanding your cash flow, you know, depending on how quick you are growing, that can mm. be on a weekly basis or an equally more mm. long-term if you've got grand strategic plans for acquisitions. Um, but, yeah, cash flow is always king and most important thing to be considering as mm. you forecast your business. No, absolutely. So some re really fascinating points there. Um, with, with a lot of things in business, there, there's there's several ways that you can get to get to the end, end result. And, and one of those ways is through using others others' money um, and uh, and lending. So Sam, I, I'd be interested to to hear your thoughts on on what's been said so far, and and really kind of what you've seen in terms of some of the businesses that have scaled by by borrowing. Yeah, well, we see a whole range of clients. We're not sector specific in any way. Mm. Um, and clients come to us uh, it, with all manner of problems to solve or or growth plans, and some of them uh, are quite often premeditated. Mm. Um, they know where they want to be by which time, what mm. trigger points are getting to the next point of growth, and, that, and how much that will cost. Mm. And and so they'll they'll come to us with a plan and say we need X amount, um, mm. and, and we'll find a way of facilitating that. And if it, if it's sort of definite planned growth, then perhaps an unsecured loan, something like that, mm. uh, where, they, where they factored in the cost of the, of the repayments, et cetera. Um, but equally, we have clients who, who just grow too quickly. Um, you know, growth is good. Um, but yeah, I, th I think I've did a presentation to OBCM before on this, that, that, that uncontrolled growth is dangerous for the business. Um, you know, we, we've had a client um, last year who had was taking on so much new business and he didn't have the back office support Mm. Um, to, to do it, um, didn't have enough bodies on the ground to, to do the work, um, but couldn't say no uh, to, the, to the extra money coming in. So we, we found a facility, we, we financed against his invoices, right. um, his, his debtor book, um, which just gave him a bit of breathing space, which meant he could get the capital for the, for the money owed. Um, that was outstanding. 
put it back into the business, get some new employees and then start to scale up the business in a more more controlled manner. Um, I think some, sometimes businesses are frightened about, um, you know, people call it factoring and they think, oh, no, you don't want to go there. But actually, invoice finance is a great way of financing growing businesses. You get your cash mm. pretty much immediately as soon as you raise your invoice. And so that really helps with your cash flow. Um, so please don't. It's like the cost away from that, against, yeah. um, you know, if you've invoiced somebody, a lot of people think, well, I've invoiced that person and they don't want to see a penny of that disappear elsewhere. Mm. But but if you're hiring someone to chase those invoices and, and, and all that work, you're already spending part of that invoice. So having uh, an outside third party bank or, or uh, alternative lender to do that for you. Uh, and it could be done a man- manner of ways, either uh, it's confidential discounting where actually you're chasing the invoices but paying the lender when you get paid. Um, or the factoring where the lender's doing it for you. Um, and they're the best credit collectors because the banks will get their money. Um, they're experts. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so so there's a number of ways you can do that, and that is a very very good way, like Trace was saying, of, of, of growing the business because um, the money's there. Um, and you know, if your suppliers are on 30, 60-day payment terms, that's no good to you. You've done the work. You, you need the money in your bank to, to take the next steps forward. See, I was really delighted that recently the, the public sector brought in a rule book that said that everybody had to pay within a certain amount of days. But so many of my colleagues who are still working with the public sector or in the supply chain for the public sector are still not getting paid within that timelines, even though it's now a mandated requirement. Um, so I think you're right. There is cash in that space. Um, the, the other area that I, I don't know how much um, you guys have considered it, but for me, the other area, apart from the cash and the finance, and as I said earlier, your your propensity to risk or otherwise, is time. Um, we found early days, uh, particularly when we were working alongside other businesses, that some people wanted to make it a nine to five job. And I don't think you can do that when you start off. I think you have to accept that you're going to have to run harder and potentially longer hours in order to get the business to grow. There's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with staying at the one person with a great idea and a great product and and making that a lifestyle choice. Um, But if you want to grow it, I think you do have to put in some of the hours as well. I don't know what you think about that. Oh, I I definitely agree. I'm I'm in that stage myself, actually. And it it's quite scary when you first start to employ people and to grow your team. Um, And you have to put time aside Mm. to onboard them and to train them and to show them how you want things doing. And if you're running really fast and you're stretched already, Mm. um, the timing of when you bring those people on board is quite important because you've got to put time aside to get the best out of them. You've got to put time aside Mm. to train them and build the team and... Um, and and all of those those good things. And I'm quite excited to say I've just recently done that and brought the team together for our first one-to-one. Amazing. But one of the things is talking about building teams, finding talent is quite a tricky um, thing at the moment, isn't it? There's this whole, the great resignation and and all that. I have to say I've been very lucky and whether it's because I offer flexible options and Mm. flexible working and, you know, as you say, not, um, within the typical nine to five, that has given me the advantage of finding some great people to work in my team. I mean, ben, what's happening? What's your view of um, what's happening for, with talent acquisition? No, absolutely. Um, a, a phrase that um, that is always used um, when recruitment is, is is mentioned is is the most expensive 
thing connected to recruitment is when it goes wrong. Um, and with that in mind, um, I am actually seeing um, we've never had more inquiries than we've had within the last what, six months. And often it is businesses have tried to recruit themselves or or have hired somebody quickly because they couldn't find that perfect fit and tried to put a round round peg into a square hole and because there is a shortage of talent there is and uh, and I think my biggest biggest advice is follow your gut follow a thorough recruitment process but actually as part of that recruitment process be really really transparent to both sides because I think that if you're really transparent and particularly around what does that induction process look like and what does that training process look like? Because I think as business owners, it's really, really common to employ somebody and think, do you know what, they're going to be as good as you straight away. Uh, and actually, it's really, really important that we recognise that we follow a really thorough recruitment process to understand where they are and they understand where we are. And actually, as part of our recruitment costs, have a plan in place to, to to get them up to the speed where actually they 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 take they 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 take the um the strain away from us as such. It'd be it'd be interesting to um to to get Sam and um Catherine on on these um yeah on 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 the kind of the staffing side of things and and how how can that um I guess in, encourage growth but also it sometimes it can stunt growth can't it that lack of talent. I think it's um important that you recognise. It's not a nine-to-five job growing a business. Mm. Um, and I, I speak from, as, from this as a, an employee of a business that's grown very quickly in a, mm. in a previous life. Obviously, the owners were there. They were nearly all hours of the day. Um, and we all worked hard. Um, but perhaps we hadn't brought, or some of us hadn't brought into the, the growth culture as such. Mm. Um, and that there was sort of a conflict of um, what they wanted, what we could give. And and, and mm. I suppose it's it's meeting in the middle that, um, if it's your business and you want to grow it, you will undoubtedly be committed to that. Mm. You possibly can't expect all your employees to have the same mindset. And that might be a bit of a challenge if you're mm. sweating blood um, to, to get to the next stage. Uh, I don't know. Do you, have you found that? I, th- I think you're right. And, and, you know, to combine both questions, really, um, I, you know, I, I believe passionately in the apprenticeship route um, and growing your own. Mm. Um, we have two apprentices within our business. They're so enthusiastic. They bring so much diversity um, of thought. Um, they um, put the hours in um, and do their studying on top. Um, and yes, they do require support um, because part of the engagement, a part of the offer, if you like, is that support. But it does bring a huge amount of um, added value. And I think what I find really interesting is that um, more businesses are now saying we can't find the staff, partly because of the great resignation that you were talking about earlier, that, you know, some people have decided because of COVID that they're not going to go back to work in the way they used to. So there are less people um, around who might have more experience, but the growing your own has really worked nicely as a concept. Um, So, you know, I was talking to a business colleague actually um, this morning who um, I help out with. So I I do some voluntary work for her. And she was saying um, it's about, you know, we decided in the end for her that it was about 
the learners, because she also runs a training business, but for school children, the learners, which she doesn't seem to have a problem getting out there, the trainers, which she's got in packet loads, but the finance um, and actually making sure that the team is focused on the finance rather than having a discussion about the learners, which is where we always seem to go back to whenever we have a senior management team meeting, which I'm lucky to be invited to. But it's this isn't the right conversation. We need to be talking about the finance, you know, whether we're asking for loans, whether we're putting um, a proposal through to a big business to ask them if they'll support um, because it's a charity, how we'll do it. But it's the finance that's actually going to drive it. So we don't, in that particular business, actually having the people is not the um, the trouble. Um, The senior management team are passionate about it, so they're prepared to give the time. So all three things link. And I I wonder on occasions with this particular um, company, whether they've really fine-tuned on what their problem product is, what they're selling. Mm. So, you know, when you're talking marketing, the product is of the product and the customer is in the center of that piece. But I'm not really sure that they've ever really given a consideration to that piece. Um, but they, you know, they've been successful, they've grown, they've got lots of mm. learners coming through the door. Um, and then they've not got a problem with um, the trainers, they've not got a problem mm. with the number of learners, although they'd always like more. It's mm. have we got enough to finance it? So we've almost gone full loop in the conversation, mm. haven't we? Like I say, it's, it's, it can be expensive when it goes wrong. It's quite a big step to take on employees. And when you, you factor in the cost, you take somebody on at 30,000, say actually it's going to cost you 60 to 90 once you've Put all your contributions and, and training and IT and things. And if in. they don't stay long, and then exactly. that also has a cost. We've had clients who've come to us and said, look, we're taking on three people. It's a sales role. Um, it's going to cost me 150 over the year. Um, and we broke that down. We, we sort of went in a bit more detail. And it's not 150 from day one. You know, by month three, these guys should be uh, self-sufficient. They should be, should be making revenue for the business and, and not be a cost. So actually, instead of a loan for one hundred and fifty thousand, um, something like a, a revolving credit facility, um, which works just like an overdraft mm. for a smaller amount, which they can dip in and out and top up as they go through the year. So by the time the the new recruits are are making money for the business, you don't have to withdraw from the funds, and and it's all paid off, and it, it's a bit mm. more flexible it's, and shorter term. It's funny. It's, it- I speak that language, so I'm aware of terminology like invoice finance, factoring, revolving credit, but a lot of people don't really understand it. And Well, it's not that they don't understand it. They've just probably never heard of it. (laughs) There's only one or two places, unless they, you know, are seriously sad like me and watch shows like The Apprentice and Dragon's Den, (laughs) then they don't necessarily know that there are different ways of doing it. And if you're passionate about your, your product that you've, you know, you've brought up in the bedroom in your house over the last 18 months while we've been locked down, and, you know, it's a brilliant product, and now you need to scale it in order to, you know, not only produce it, get the marketing out there, get the clients in, have more Mm. staff. I mean, all those things that the dragons scream at you all the time when it's talking about Dragon's Den. Um, You've got to have thought through all of those processes. And I guess the underlying factor always comes back to the money. Now, in our case, we grew by self-investing or investing back into the business as the work came in. Um, But, you know, a lot of the terminology that you're using and all of those options is where a really 
really good financial advisor really helps with you with your options. And I think a lot of times people forget simple things like um, the fact that actually for a business um, of a certain size, it's not just what you're going to do with the business at the moment, but what is it going to look like in four or five years' time? Are you intending to sell it or is at some mm. stage you're going to close it? Well, you can't simply close a business. There is a life for the business afterwards. Mm. You have to continue to have insurance just in case somebody comes back um, on the business and the product mm. uh, because there's a problem with, with it from that perspective. So there's all of that piece. And, and there's some great advice out there. I mean, not only networking groups, obviously, mm. like OBCN, but also Oxlep and all of those great pieces of advice. But, Absolutely. you know, there are times where your head is just exploding at what have I got to do next? Because I've got a great idea and it was working very nicely when I was doing it from my kitchen table. But now I've got somebody manufacturing it, and but I still need to increase my sales. I need to increase my marketing. And all of that requires money. So it does come back to this understanding of the of the of that I think. I think I think as a finance director and sitting around the board meetings mm. of my clients, um, this is where I think experience really adds value so of course producing your financial information and of course doing your compliance and making sure that all of the record keeping is accurate mm. and supports your decision making but it's that commercial experience that you get with working with a, a commercially experienced finance director that really starts to add the value they they know and they've been through the mill and they've learned from those mistakes and and would be able to advise for example some of the products that we've just heard about. Um, but equally, a good example is one of my clients, I've sat on their board table mm. and I've been told it's really changed the way that the meeting works. It's more professional. Mm. We're looking, we're more strategic. I think very often yeah. a board meeting can be, it becomes a senior, manage, a senior management operational meeting when actually you've got your most expensive resources sat around that table. Absolutely. Let's levitate. In, you know, increase the, the level of that conversation to more strategic and let's focus the conversation on things like strategy, really understanding your risk across the whole business. So doing a risk analysis, not mm. just from a finance, again, from a finance perspective, but across the board, where are the risks in the mm. business? Um, and, 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 and thinking through that lens, but also... Developing people, we've talked about people quite a lot, mm. and I do really think that people are at the heart of most successful businesses. Have you got the right talent in place? Mm. Are they being given the opportunity, if they're senior, to lead? Or are they yes. being? Are they having to manage and be in the detail? Mm. So you've got to give people the opportunity to grow into a leadership position, and it's quite a big step, and it's Absolutely. natural for some and not for others. Um, I am just thinking of other examples. You don't want to overstretch people so that their bandwidth is, their workload is so high that they really can't concentrate on the, the real ad, value add thing. For me, the most important piece that you've said there is that at some stage as you grow, you need to stop working in the business and you Work start on it, yeah. working on the business. And mm. people say, but what does that mean? But it is that forward forward leaning piece. It is that thinking through the strategy, um, the direction. And I started by saying that I've never had a business case, um, a business plan. We've never taken a business plan mm. to a bank and said, this is what we're intending. Um, and 
And that's a challenge when you are when 30 people are relying on you to bring in enough fund for them to pay their mortgage or put food on the table for their family, etc. So I think that that is a really important piece. And and on occasion, stop doing the stuff that you like doing. Oh, um, yeah. You know, that everybody criticizes that all the time. But <laughs> Eat the frog. Yeah, there are certain <laughs> jobs that you just like doing. And actually, you know, they're really not your job any longer. Let them go. Let somebody else do it. Um, I think that's a fascinating conundrum as well. Indeed, indeed. No, really, really fascinating conversation. And thank you so much to the three of you. I could have definitely gone on for for, for, for a lot longer. But uh, but no, it's been really insightful. And I'm sure the listeners, uh, yeah, hoping that the three of you will come back for it for, an, for another episode. But that does bring this episode to an end. And um, thank you so much for listening um, to the podcast of the Octa Business Community Network. Um, thank you to our members again. Um, just a reminder, we had Kath Comfrey um, of Explosive Learning Solutions. We're Tracy Smart of the Smart FD and founder of the Smart Team, and Sam Jones of NGI Finance. Um, thank you also um, to Story94 uh, for pri- providing this podcast and also um, for um, providing the Oxford Podcast Studio. So thank you very much for that. Please do subscribe to our podcast um, and we look forward to sharing more with you very soon. Thank you. <laughs>